The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. And happy happy Monday. It's never happy Monday, but happy Monday, everybody. And welcome to slightly beyond the box score. Jacob's not here today, so Dan and I will take you just a little bit beyond the box score today with some advanced stats and some good analysis, but really we're just going to be killing time until Jacob's back next week. What's up, Dan Schneier? How you doing? Doing well today, Adam, as well as I can be uh, being somebody who covers and is a fan of the New York football giants. I love it, man. Great win by the Cardinals yesterday. <laughs> Great win. I've embraced the tank. The Nathaniel York Giants, because they are tank. Uh, so anyway, Dan. What? Tank what was Dell. that Nathaniel York tank? Tank Dell is Nathaniel Dell, so they're Nathaniel York tank. <laughs> oh, my God. That was one of your worst I ever. It. I tweeted Actually, it yesterday. That's unbelievable. I'm workshopping it. Um, anyway, uh, who are you excited to talk about today, Dan? There are a few players I'm excited to talk about. Trey McBride is one of them. Tank Dell, who you just made a Mm -hmm. horrific joke trying to use his name, (laughs) is another one. Um, I'm also excited to talk a little bit about what we're seeing out of David Montgomery, my boy. Your boy. My boy. He's mine. He's always been my boy. He is not your boy. Jonathan Taylor, because volume is everything in fantasy football, and I really like what I saw. Mike Evans. So we'll get into a bunch of those players. I'm also going to talk a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about Brian Robinson yes. and Sam Howell and that commander's offense because mm-hmm. that's the game I, wrote, I watched the most tape on this week. I, I saw that whole game on tape. And so there's some things we're going to talk about. Also, for those tuning into the show, Adam, I am going to do at one point because for some of who we're going to talk about, Adam, I plan to use some Jacob Gibbs data Ooh. because Jacob Gibbs has still put out some good data today, even though he is traveling and couldn't make the show so i will for those who are tuning in for the remainder of the show maybe something to look forward to do my best at trying a jacob gibbs impression oh, when i read wow. off jacob gibbs stats oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah looking forward to that and then jacob if you're listening you have a week to work on your dan schneier impression uh we're also going to give you some playoff dsts to focus on and some rest of season league winners we'll start though with the raiders and the jets I just, I cannot believe the Jets lost that game. <laughs> that was one of the best games I've ever seen Zach Wilson play. And they still lost. Was it? I thought he was fine. I mean, the interception was bad, but he was scrambling really nicely. He, you know, it just, he was fine. And I, whatever. I, I mean, they had eight penalties for 83 yards. They outgained the Raiders 365 to 274. They had a touchdown, a Brees Hall touchdown called back on a holding penalty. Yep. And that was really it. I mean, I think Robert Sala said after the game they had five trips into their territory and it was like three field goals and a turnover, something like that. So um, I thought they blew it. But, but hey, good job by the Raiders. And we know what the Raiders' identity is now. If you listen to the broadcast, I thought this was fascinating. Josh Jacobs said that 
for the first time since the John Gruden era. So it didn't happen at all under Josh McDaniels. The coaching staff asked him which running plays he liked and what he wanted to be part of the game plan. Now, before I flip out and say I can't believe that Josh McDaniels' regime did that, I don't know how common that is, but but it's clear Antonio Pierce is making Josh Jacobs the focal point of the offense, which is bad for everyone other than Josh Jacobs, but they're not going to win every game. They're not going to be able to just run the ball the entire second half like they did. Um, but that is what we heard. He, he loves Robert Spillane, who had the interception, the basically game-sealing interception. Um, and I thought that uh, ruptured Spillane was a funny team name, personally. Uh, and that he loves Josh Jacobs. He wants to make Josh Jacobs the identity of the offense. He wants a, a tough, hard, you know, physical downhill running team. What are your fantasy takeaways from Jets and Raiders? Yeah, starting with the Raiders, that's exactly right. We're seeing Antonio Pierce have an identity for this team, and it's going to be operate through Jacobs. And what you said, first of all, I like the Robert Spillane one a lot better Thank than, you. Uh, than the than the other <laughs> the joke you, you had, but yeah. it's actually pretty decent, ruptured Spillane. It, unfortunately, he's not an offensive skill player, so we can't really use that. Otherwise, you know, if you had that to work with, we can come up with a lot of good names. Um, so, yep, yep. you know, you're going a little off script here, Adam. This is a little, you know, you're pushing it a little far, but that, this is what you That's do. what I but, do. Yep. Beyond the box score, beyond the script. It's beyond the script, game script. But um, so like on one hand, I want to say, Adam, that I don't think they're going to be able to do this every week. And that's probably true. But I look at the Raiders schedule now, right? Let's take a look at what's left on the schedule because this is big. Go ahead, Dan, because they just played the Giants and the Jets. Their next two games are the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Dolphins, I was going to say, they have the Dolphins Chiefs stretch. But if we get through that, Vikings game, I could see that being good, solid game script. Chargers, honestly, I could see that being good game script. Chiefs, again, that's no good. But Colts, that's another one. So we're going to get at least half of the, and then Broncos. We're going to get, well, that's not going to be part of the fantasy blast. We're going to get half the games, though, of decent game script, which is not bad. And Jacob's obviously getting the football. He broke his biggest run toward the end of the game, got in the groove. And I like the idea of what you said because – all the good it's it's more common than you think all the good coaches work with their players and try to put in the concepts that fit rather than try to fit a system around the player all the bad coaches who end up fired in the NFL and not long for the NFL are the ones who try to fit their players into their system that's bad football saw it with Jason Garrett with the Giants we've seen it with Josh McDaniel here so i think your takeaway is right that basically Josh Jacob becomes the only player on this offense to really get excited about for well, fantasy. Said, whoa, 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 whoa. That was not my takeaway. That was, was your take? Def- what did you no, say? I said he's the focal point of the offense. It's not how I feel. I think that... You said it's bad news for everyone else. No, it is if they're going to try That's to... That's what I mean. I'm saying, okay, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that. If, they're, if their philosophy is to throw the ball 25 times a game, that's bad news for Devontae Adams, especially bad news for Jacoby right. Myers. I, mean, Jacoby I think Myers, it's worse for Jacoby Myers. That's the one oh, I think is really sick. the sell sell now type of play. Nobody's right buying here. him. I, I think he, he's played yeah. three games with uh, Aiden O'Connell. He's been terrible in all three, except he had a rushing touchdown against yeah. the Giants. I I think he's an easy sit at this point. Adams is back to... The Adams is a must-start. Um it was a good game, not a great game. He had so much production in the first quarter, and then he kind of disappeared. But again, I just Dan, I just don't think they're going to be able to just run the ball twenty-seven times every week. I don't think they're going to win every week. I still think they're I a below-average team. Adam, it's Adams and Jacobs, and that's it, right? All right, yeah. it is. But I would say this: there were some positive signs from a processing standpoint. And this is just based on the broadcast angle. I didn't watch the tape on this game. From what Aiden O'Connell was able to do from getting off of his first read. There were multiple moments in that game, including the touchdown pass, where he came off the play side read and threw to the backside. And that's something you don't typically see from rookie quarterbacks. And I don't think he's anything too special at quarterback or is going to kind of change too much there. But it's a good sign to, in my mind, to see that happening uh, from a processing standpoint. It didn't exactly happen with Jimmy Garoppolo either. All right. For the Jets, Garrett Wilson is a must start. He gets 13 carries, uh, 13 targets every week now. He gets a ton of catches. Um, Almost had that Hail Mary at the end. That was really something. And Zach Wilson has now thrown for 240, 263, and 263 yards in his last three games. So that's good. That's on 36, 49, and 39 pass attempts. But the story here is Brees Hall. Over the last four weeks, I would say Brees Hall is probably the worst running back in football. Not in fantasy, but in football. There have been 39 running backs over the last four weeks with 30 or more carries. Okay, 39. He is last in rush EPA 
last in success rate, third to last in yards before contact per carry, last in yards after contact per carry, 16th in avoid rate, that's fine, last in percentage of carries for five or more yards, and last in explosive run rate, which is percentage of carries for 12 or more yards as defined by True Media. Um, are, do we have concerns here? You know, he's doing enough in the passing game, but let's see. In this game, it was how many points did he score in this game? Like 10-ish, 10-11, and that's what he scored last week. He scored 10 against the Chargers. you have any concerns about Brees Hall? Depends what you know from what standpoint and what front you're you're asking from Adam because I did go back and watch some of his tape. I've seen the game he played against the Giants fully on tape every single play there. I just think the reason he's not producing right now in the run game is almost exclusively due to two factors. One, the Jets offensive line and two, the certainty that teams have for playing the Jets run first. I mean, they are you watch how teams play this Jets offense. There's just no concern at all for the deep halves of the field. There's no concern at all for Zach Wilson doing anything with the football. They are keyed in to stop Brees Hall on every snap. And if they don't go to Brees Hall with a play action or a pass call, they're not worried about it, these opposing defenses. So that combo of bad O-line, I mean, I, you watch some of these carries, Adam, and he's blown up in the backfield or the penetration is there. There's no cutback lane. There's no hole. There's nowhere to process. There's nowhere to do. Like, sure, the yards after contact stat you brought up, which is bad, is, is not great, but Yards before contact being third to worst kind of shows what I'm talking about. And then the fact that he can still avoid tackles is probably a decent sign. So for fantasy standpoint, I am considering him less of an asset than people did after his breakout games earlier this season, like a few weeks back, just because that offense is so bad. This is how I treat all running backs in bad offenses. But I think from an NFL standpoint, I'm not too worried about Brees Hall. All right, and let's go. Would you would you rather have Rashad White or Brees Hall rest of season? That's a fair good question, and I think they're very comparable assets for fantasy rest of season, despite Brees Hall being a better talent. All right, I'd rather have Brees Hall, but it is worth asking at this point. Uh, well, we usually tell you about what Jacob has on Sportsline, but there's a lot of stuff on Sportsline that you'll like. Jacob, of course, has the Beyond the Box Score article. You can use the promo code Gibbs. You can use the promo code Follow to get 60% off an annual plan. Forget about the one-month plan. How about the annual plan? 60% off if you use the promo code FOLLOW on Sportsline.com. So we've got video content on Sportsline. We've got gambling. We've got fantasy. We've got DFS. We've got content from Dave, Jamie, and Heath, and, of course, Jacob. It's all on Sportsline. It's a tremendous, valuable, valuable resource. It's $9.99 a month. And for the annual uh, subscription, you can get 60% off with the code Follow. You probably spend more than that on dinner. Follow is the promo code, sportsline.com. News and notes, Derek Carr, good chance he's back after the bye. They're at Atlanta. Keenan Allen, I think he's fine. Michael Thomas, knee. Deshaun Watson hurt his ankle. They are playing uh, Pittsburgh this week, and I don't know that he's going to be able to play. I mean, I assume he will, but he's dealing with the shoulder, and he hurt his ankle as well. Mac Jones benched, Taylor Heineke hamstring injury, and Arthur Smith said he's not announcing his starting quarterback yet. Alexander Madison left with a concussion, um, so I, I wouldn't expect him to play this week. Devon Achan has been designated to return from IR. That's awesome. Panthers cornerback J.C. Horn has been designated to return from IR. That's also great. He's a very good player when he stays on the field, which is unfortunately very rare. Um, some of the big injuries, two defensive backs injured for the Browns, Juan Thornhill and Denzel Ward. Don't know the severity there. Quan Alexander out for the season. That's another middle linebacker for the Steelers. Two weeks in a row, they've lost their defensive signal caller. They're at Cleveland in week 11. Um, I told you about some cornerback injuries that we'll be keeping an eye on. Tyson Campbell for Jacksonville. Marlon Humphrey for the Ravens. Caleb Evans for the Vikings. Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. These are all starters, all important players. And uh, the Giants are like now the most injured team in the world. Uh, as they get Washington next week. And then here's some stats. Since it's a stat show, right? Uh, this is according to ESPN. The Browns, the Cleveland Browns, trailed for 59 minutes and 20 seconds in this game, in the game on Sunday. No NFL team this millennium, not sure why they phrased it that way, but this millennium had won while trailing for that long in a game, according to ESPN stats and information. Uh, we had a record on Sunday. Five games were decided on a last-second game-winning field goal. That's the most in a single day in NFL history. Trey McBride became the first Cardinals tight end with 100 yards in a game since 1989. 
That was the longest 100-yard game for a tight end drought by any team. Uh, and CeeDee Lamb is the first player with 10 or more catches for 150 more yards in three straight games. Well, let's get into some more stat, uh, snap counts and stats, Dan. And Before we do that, yeah. I have a, a couple quick, you know, rapid reactions to some of the things that you brought up there. I want to start with the Derek Carr situation. You said he's likely to be back. Uh, this is a stat from Jacob Gibbs, so maybe I can try out my first Jacob Gibbs impression. You can let me know how they go. And just a reminder for those listening, me and Jacob are boys. I love him. I think he will enjoy these, but I don't know. I hope he does. I think I know his sense of humor well enough to know that he will enjoy these impressions. But um, and Lord knows an impression of me would be a lot crazier than anything I can do for Jacob. But let me try my Jacob impression right here. So here we go. We know just, just to set the tone and set the mood a little bit here. We know Jacob is a very reserved guy, reserved voice. Um, yeah, they know Jacob. They know. Yeah. They know Jacob. So here we go. All right, Adam. Week, week 10 average depth of target, 5.4 yards, Derek Carr, which is interesting because 5.2 yards, Jameis Winston average depth of target. Chris Olave's week 10 target share, 6% with Derek Carr at QB, 35% with Jameis Winston at QB. So really, when you think about it, and what we're looking forward to moving forward is, if Jameis Winston is in that quarterback and Derek Carr's injury forces him to miss a week, that really does boost up Chris Olave for week 11 and moving forward. And then he would say, I'm just curious what you guys think about that. I'm curious what you guys <laughs> think. I'm curious what you guys think about that. I like Any Chris good? Olave. Yeah, Rate that good. impression one to 10. It was like a three. Oh, terrible. It wasn't terrible. that good. You didn't really get his cadence. All you did was whisper, basically. <laughs> I know. I tried to. I, You know, this was a mistake you on got, my part. You got to really listen should've... to him. You got to listen to him because there are. I spent more time watching tape to prepare for the show than I should have watched of spending time yeah. watching Jacob Gibbs tape from previous Beyond the Box score shows to get the cadence down. That was that was a mistake. That impression wasn't. Yeah, good. you didn't get it. You didn't capture any of his nuances. I'm not going to be able to do it either, but I, I, I could try next week or something. Um, yeah, it's interesting. That's a very low ADOT for the Saints. They're usually throwing yeah. the ball downfield all the time. I'm pretty much fine with Olave, but yeah, we have to remember that Michael Thomas did miss basically all of this game. Olave had a good game. Uh, any other stats? Any other Jacob Gibbs? Oh, oh, reaction. So the other one is a Dan Schneier reaction to something you mentioned about Alexander Madison leaving with a concussion, likely not to play. Uh, shout out Thomas Schaefer, our producer, who keyed me on to a, a Ty Chandler touchdown run that was explosive and called back due to a penalty. I think Chandler will add an explosive element to this Vikings offense. Chandler is a player who I watched a lot of film at Tennessee. He was my diamond in the rough in that draft class one year after Khalil Herbert being my diamond in the rough. In the previous draft class, it hasn't proven correct yet, but maybe this is the opportunity that will showcase what he can bring to the NFL level. I believe he's an explosive runner. I think he's a better processor than people realize. And I think he adds just a different element of speed, just pure speed. We've seen what speed can add to backfields. Keaton Mitchell in Baltimore, Devin Achan in Miami. This is a possible another another situation where, and I know the stats don't look great. Look, 15 for 45. This is not a great team in the run game in general. They run a ton of zone. They don't have much nuance to their rushing attack. But on some of those plays that get Chandler to the outside, I think he might add a different level of explosion to this offense. So if Madison is out with a concussion, I move Chandler way up my rankings at running back. For week 11, I think he's going to be a free agent in most leagues. If you need a one-week yeah. starter at running back, I think he's definitely someone who should queue up and move to the top of your waiver wire and potentially be willing to use a lot of budget if you need a win next week in fantasy football because um, mm -hmm. I do think he could have a really good game. They'll be at Denver, Minnesota. And if you if you talk about the Vikings and you kind of miss something important, like Schaefer's not going to let it slide. He's going to, no, let, no, you, he's no. going to let you know about it for sure. He's a huge Vikings fan. Uh, he is, yeah. They're on fire. Josh Downs played only 14% of the snaps. I really think you should not drop Josh Downs. He's barely played each of the last two weeks. He's 74% rostered. They're going into their bye. He scored 13.1 or more PPR fantasy points in all four games with Gardner Minshew starting. And he had eight right. or more targets in three of those four games before really being hampered by a knee injury the last two weeks. The bye comes at a good time for Josh Downs. So if I were you, I would stick. I would try to stick it out with Downs. Jonathan Taylor played 88% of the snaps. Looks like Zach Moss is, is done. He's just a handcuff now. How about Juju Smith-Schuster? He played 99% of the snaps. And he played 84% out wide. And Juju had one target. And Parker will be back, I assume, in two weeks. So I don't know what it means, but if you're in a deep league, 
Juju's all on the field all the time, but that was really disappointing. Uh, Keaton Mitchell. He played 11 offensive snaps. His first snap was a 39-yard rushing touchdown. Keaton Mitchell's second snap was a 32-yard reception. Mm-hmm. His fifth snap was a drop ball in the end zone. I watched all of his snaps. There weren't a lot of them. Like I said, only 11 for Keaton Mitchell. Figure out why didn't he play more. I mean, he did drop that ball. It wasn't like a terrible drop or anything. But he did have one play. I would say maybe his worst play in pass protection. He starts out on Lamar Jackson's right. He, he goes to block the right side. There's no one there to block. He cuts across the pocket to go to the left side. But in doing so, he bumps into Lamar Jackson, who's trying to advance up into the pocket. So they kind of collide. Jackson gets sacked. I don't know. I mean, it looked like a bad play by Keaton Mitchell, but I don't know. You know, I'm not a coach. I don't know what they're supposed to do there. That's I, I don't know why he didn't play more. Like, how do you not? The first two plays that he's in there, he accounts for about 65 yards and a touchdown, and he barely touches the ball. That makes no sense to me. But maybe it was a mistake on in the pass protection. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good good observation by you because it really well could come down to that. If you don't, tr- these teams that don't trust their running backs and pass protection don't play their running backs. Yeah, uh, Taysom Hill ran sixteen routes. Juwan Johnson ran thirty routes. George Pickens. George Pickens. Wait, is, you yeah. forgot about one more thing from that game. What? At Perry. He tied Chris Olave for the team lead in routes run with forty two in Week Ten. Another Jacob Gibbs nice. stat, by the way. Nice. Oh, I had a couple of comments about your impression, if you'd like me to share them. <laughs> Let's see it. It was okay. not good. I wanted better. I oh. should have watched more tape Lindsay, on Jacob. Lindsay K said, oh, fabulous go, impression. Lindsay. Eight and a half out of ten. But Adam Lee says, amazing impression, just as good as the performance of <laughs> oh, your barber. <laughs> Adam Lee. I mean, Adam, look, the hair has grown back nicely. Yeah, it the looks good. Looks good it looks versus good. what we got over here from Hazer. I mean, no, get, this is one. Look, it's not a great hair day, but I actually got one of my better haircuts. And let me tell you, look at that. I hope I didn't go. I hope I didn't already talk about this on the air. I'm sorry if I'm repeating. I went to the the, the barber, new guy. I found oh, my guy. 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 I love the barbers that use that use the razor at the end. I do enjoy that too. Oh, it's terrific. The straight, straight razor. I almost feel razor, like you yeah. can give me a terrible haircut. And if you give give me the straight edge at the end, I'm fine with it. (laughs) It feels so good. It's so nice. Uh, George Pickens, there was this whole uh, hubbub about him not being introduced with the starters. He ended up playing 95% of the snaps. He played more than anyone other than Pickett and the linemen. Uh, And he had a bad game. James Conner, this was really interesting. James Conner was not the third down back. Tony Jones was the third down back. James Conner played 63% of the snaps. He got pretty much every carry by a running back. But this is a big deal. When James Conner was involved in the passing game and getting pretty much every snap, he was top 12, maybe top five good with Kyler Murray. And even without Kyler Murray, just an absolute fantasy stud. I don't know why he didn't play on third downs. Maybe it was because it was his first game back. But this is definitely something to keep an eye on with James Conner. And by the way, Kyler Murray did not throw a pass to his running backs in week 10. Uh, Jahan Dotson played 95% of the snaps. He had no catches on two targets at Seattle. Ooh. Zach Charbonnet played three more snaps than Ken Walker. That is three straight games with more Charbonnet than Walker. But, you know, Walker had 20 Walker touches. doesn't catch that, that touchdown. It's a bad Walker game again. It is. And Will Levis. I think the reason I liked Will Levis against Tampa Bay was because I thought Will Levis could throw the deep ball pretty well. Tampa Bay's really bad against that. Will yeah, Levis was one of 14 on pass attempts of 15 or more air yards. He was really bad. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll do some film review and our four big topics when we come back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's uh, Jacob Gibbs here with Dan Schneier. It's Adam and Dan. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. Yeah, he's got, there's like a rhythm to his voice. You see, Adam, the thing is. (laughs) I don't think he does that. No, I, don't he do that. At all. I need to watch more tape. I need to watch. He's more never tape. said the thing is. He's no, way he too smart. The thing is, is my thing. I got. I'm working too much of my own isms into it. The impression. It's just. It's no good. I got to watch. Think more the tape. smartest guy we work with is. Like, who do you think did the best on their SATs? Oh, from that sample. So I view smart in different. So you're talking book smart, not street smart. Then. You could do well. I don't think any of us are all that. Stuff. Heath is probably street smart. Like I, no way. I can't I change a tire. I can't do anything. Like Heath I find is, myself to be more mo, one of the highest street smart people here. <laughs> you, street smart. You. You are street. Well, smart. What do we mean by street smart? Like, I don't mean like I'm functional human being who can like fix a something broken down or something like that and work with my oh, hands. Well, but yeah, I mean, yeah, as far as being quick hand- thinking, wit, being able to respond to things fast. No, you're just talking about being witty. That's totally different than being street smart. Like, if I just Fine, put you, I don't know, if I put you out in the street and asked you to survive, I don't think you'd be able to do it. Heath is the only one I'd have any faith in. Yeah, that's probably right. Heath is probably the only one who could survive out in the in, in the wilderness or something on the street. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> street smart to me is more like quick thinking, processing, which by the way, Heath is very smart at as well. We're all pretty good at that, but I would consider myself in the mix for I'm that. I'm gonna look up street. street smart and see what yeah. it means. But as far as book smart goes, who's the best SAT score? Yeah, who do you think of the highest SATs? My guess would be RJ, well, are we including everybody? No, just the people on the show. Oh, just on the show. Um, the people on the show. Guess I'll default to Jacob. Yeah, that's kind of what I was score. thinking. I, right? I think I think Chris is super smart, but I feel like he was a little bit of an academic underachiever back in high school. Yes. So I would. Yes, I completely agree. And I think Chris is very street smart too. my version and definition of what street smart would be. I'm trying to look like up what street smart means. Ours would actually be one of probably the top for street smart for what I consider. Like as Schaefer said in the comments, you're confusing street smart with being MacGyver. That's not what being street smart. No, is. I'm not. It's not. OK, this is what Google is saying. Or no, okay. kidshealth.org. Knowing how to keep yourself safe from strangers when you're alone or with other kids. That, obviously, no, <laughs> this is not what I'm referring to. Obviously not. <laughs> Whether you're walking quick-witted, to school or the bus. Okay. Being quick witted and being street smart. That's like not even close to the same thing. That's like being tall and being skinny. They are completely right. different. Well, I, I guess my whole life I've confused the two, or at least just my whole life it considered that when people say you're street smart, it means you're quick witted. That's what I've always assumed. Absolutely not. Like not even okay. close. Um, okay. Yeah. This is just uh, from Office Depot. Street smart is not getting killed in the bad part of town. That's <laughs> like right. part well, of it. It's just like being able to survive on your own. I don't know who wrote this. I love Dan Schneier. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. As- someone Listen. wrote a someone wrote in an email or a tweet, like kind of ripping you and Jamie, and they spelled both <laughs> of your names wrong. And I was like, you can't, you lose right off the bat. What the hell are we talking about? By the oh, film review. Um, you want to just get into the big topics or or what? One quick thing on the film because uh, shout out Chris Towers who wanted me to take a look at Sam Howell. Um, because yeah, was that your thing when you hear Sam Howell now you do a little howl? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of my thing. Yeah, I don't mind it actually. I kind of in some ways intrigued by it and and find it interesting. Um, but he was talking about how the sack rate for Sam Howell has been down from twelve point seven percent in the first seven games to four point six percent past three, and he's had a league high one hundred fifty three dropbacks in those past three. So you know maybe there's been some progression from him. I know RJ White, we were discussing this as well. We talked about how there's been some offensive line changes. I got to say, Adam, the film wasn't what I was hoping it would be from a processing standpoint for how I still have too many examples of uh, him just not processing things fast. Third and four, 830 in the second quarter for those who want to track this or check this out on NFL game. If you have the game film, 
This was a play he should have made. He had the look that Bianami wanted him to get, stick route from 82. For whatever reason, he's staring at it, but he doesn't trust it. He doesn't throw it with anticipation. He takes the sack. Third and f- three later in the game, 503 quarter two. He's full pre-snap by Seahawks coverage, and they do a lot of trap coverages and things like that. He looks post-snap uh, to where he expects things to be pre-snap. It's a two-man concept. Instead, he's missing Terry McLaurin, the whole shot on the corner route. There's just too many examples still of slow processing, in my opinion, from Sam Howell for me to feel like he's made improvement in that regard. Now, he still does things that are better than a lot of NFL quarterbacks. The throw he made to get that game tied was a throw quarterback that it was a throw that I think like one or two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks in the NFL are making. He's throwing it into a non-existent window with anticipation, with great ball placement. I also think his arm talent is incredibly underrated and has been since he was in the draft. Like I tweeted the day after the draft, the day of the draft. It makes no sense that the NFL has overcorrected themselves after the year before of, of, of quarterbacks with Pickett and all those guys to let a guy like Sam Howell with his level of arm talent and the amount of starts he had at a power five school fall to round five. And it has, still doesn't make sense. The only guys who should be falling that late in drafts are guys with no arm talent. He has arm talent. And on the touchdown throw he had to Brian Robinson, he changed his arm slot. He does that a lot. The ability to roll out of tough, muddy situations. Some pockets he shouldn't escape. Some he should, but then be able to change his arm slot and get the football into a spot. And that's what he has the ability to do. Throw from different arm slots. It gives you such an advantage at the NFL level if you're a quarterback who can change your arm slot versus the you need the over the top. You need the shoulder squared. You need the set base. And so he still has things that I think a lot of other quarterbacks don't have. But so as far as what Chris asked me to look for on tape, I don't really feel like his processing has really sped up or improved uh, to a major degree. And that will obviously, you know, hurt them at times. Yeah. Uh, the, the- but but the good news is, and th- this is something, our first big topic is about Brian Robinson. So I was just looking mm-hmm. at their offense. I mean, this is something that absolutely blew my mind. They have the highest pass rate in the NFL. They throw on a yep. higher percentage of their snaps than any team in football. The commanders, that is so weird because the whole thing that, I was nervous about in the offseason was that they fired their previous offensive coordinator because they wanted to be a more physical downhill running team. And then they that's why they brought in Biennemi. And they're not that at all. They they barely run. Lowest run but rate. Biennemi comes from KC, so maybe we just made a mistake there because I mean, they were a pass first team. That's there. what the reporting was. That, that's that was yeah. the report I read. I read it on the show. And um they're anything but that right now. They've morphed into a, a passing team. Um, so more on that in a second. I watched uh, two players this morning. I really wanted to watch Josh Dobbs. I didn't get to that. But I watched Noah Brown. Mm-hmm. I want to see what all this is about. And I watched Kyler Murray because we had a question. Uh, one, one of our topics is to pick five league winners that nobody saw coming. Sure. He's going to be one that I choose. Noah Brown, I mean, so so his role changed this past week with Nico Collins out. Noah Brown became an outside receiver. Usually he's playing in the slot, at least more often than not. Um, that was a hot, That rhyme was hot. Um, yeah. Recycling school, recycling's hot. Throwing <laughs> trash on the ground is definitely not. You like that? What is that from Parks and Rec or, Rec or something? Nah, it's actually something uh, I created as in a in a group project in sixth grade. Um, <laughs> nice. So- <laughs> uh, when I was in high school, we did like some some Greek era stuff, and uh, we performed like a little show. And I created my character's name was Testicles. So, you did that in what grade? Eleventh, uh, tenth, or eleventh? That's grade. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> you, you strike me as somebody who could have been in a different life, like a Trey Parker, Matt Stone type. <laughs> Thank you. See that? I don't know. You kind of look like one of those two, too, don't you? Has anyone told you that? Which one do you look like? I'm going to look it up right now. And Thomas, if you're somebody, get me this. If I look like see. anyone, it'd be Matt Stone, but I don't it's, look it's, anything. It's like only that. one of them. It's definitely not the other one. Okay. You I don't, don't really look like look the, like the blonde one. one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I was kind of wrong now looking at them. These are old pictures of them. When they were younger, you kind of looked like one of them. You're thinking of Henry Rowan Gardner. Anyway, Noah Brown, basically everything Noah Brown is getting is downfield. Over the last two weeks, I looked at wide receivers with eight or more targets, so a pretty low threshold. He is number one in explosive catch rate, number one in fantasy points per target, ninth in ADOT. He has 13 catches, Noah Brown, in his last two games. 13 catches, nine of them have gone for 20 or more yards. It is big play after big play after big play. Sometimes he is completely wide open. 
Sometimes he makes a nice adjustment and C.J. Stroud finds him. But for the most part, when I am amazed at, 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 CJ, at Noah Brown, it's because I am amazed by C.J. Stroud. <laughs> C.J. Stroud is playing so damn well, throwing the ball downfield so well. I'm a little skeptical that Brown can keep this going. I think if Nico Collins is back, I think you probably see fairly low target volume from Brown. And and I'm I'm you know I'm not necessarily rushing to pick him up. Well, it's one of those things where I probably will put a claim in for him in any league he's available. However, I won't be surprised if it's a bad claim. But you have to give yourself the opportunity to see if this goes somewhere. I look okay. at him. I think he's kind of slow. I don't see him beating man coverage a lot. And I am fairly skeptical of players who make so many of their plays downfield. But the way C.J. Stroud is playing. If Nico Collins misses another game, I think Noah Brown as an outside receiver is a must-start player, and it gets against Arizona next week too. So that could be awesome. Um, and Kyler Murray, I honestly, I thought he looked exactly like Kyler Murray, with one mm-hmm. exception, he did not throw the deep ball well. He mm-hmm. missed missed Marquise Brown on the twenty-eight yard touchdown. Um, he threw deep to Rondale Moore. Didn't seem like a very good pass, although I think Moore wanted a pass interference or illegal contact. And then the basically the game-winning play was a deep completion to Trey McBride. Badly underthrown ball. McBride made a terrific play on it. Um, but if he can get that back, then I do think he can be a league winner because he ran extremely well. How about that scramble on third yeah. and 10? Unbelievable. 13-yard pickup, but he probably ran for 70 yards on the play. Yeah. He looked like, he looked like Kyler. And... Uh, I was I was really impressed and really encouraged. Got got ourselves potentially a must start here, and he probably should have had. He could have had two touchdowns. I'll say one thing that would ruin him is if they keep this Clayton Tune garbage up at the goal oh, line. The, yeah, I mean they will keep that up though, right? Like they're not going to go back to Kyle. I don't think because they don't want to. They want to keep him healthy. It would but have to I don't, be inside the one yard line. I think. Sure. Yeah. I still don't think that's going to hold him back anyway. All right, let's go to our four big topics, and we start with one from Scott Shanks. Is Brian Robinson Jr. a set-it-and-forget-it RB1? So Dan broke down the film on the Commanders. I'll just give a little background here. Going into Week 10, Brian Robinson was the number 12 running back in full PPR, which is obviously not his format, and number 23 per game. Then he scored 27.7 points points in, in Week 10. He's currently RB1. And in that in this week, he is now a top five running back for the season in every format. And per game, he's 12th in non-PPR, 13th and half, 15th per game in full PPR. So the question, Dan, is, is Brian Robinson Jr. a set it and forget it RB1? No, he's not. Um, he's a fine set it and forget it RB2, I think, given the state of the running back position. But... I watched the tape this week, and I actually think there was more reason to be discouraged than encouraged about Brian Robinson moving forward from a fantasy football standpoint. Why do I say that? Well, I say that because there were carries early and touches early in this game for Antonio Gibson, something we haven't seen at all, not at all, but at at all times this season. Also, Gibson was more effective as a runner in this game. For whatever reason, maybe it was the concepts they were running or the down and distances tipping off plays to the opposing defense. That is also always a part of it and a factor. But Gibson was more effective running the football in this game. And on the plays that Brian Robinson made, I charted them, the plays in the past game. He had six receptions for 119. On only one of those was it a designed first read throw to Robinson. The others were scramble plays where Sam Howell off script found Brian Robinson. Now, you could argue that that will continue, but it doesn't seem like a good argument to make or a stable argument no, to make. It, because it won't. You're right. Broken plays are hard to, you know, bank on happening over and over again. So I like that he's on the field for enough plays to get some of those broken throws, broken play throws from Sam Owl, but hard to count on those. And I've always felt like he's a good talent. It's not a matter of talent for me. It's a matter of don't love how that offensive line blocks the run game. I don't really love their run concepts in general. Like you said, this is a drop back pass heavy team. It doesn't really have much of a groove at all in the run game. Felt like Gibson ran the ball better in this game and got more touches and snaps earlier than he usually did. So I'm fine just putting this dude as an RB2 based on talent alone and the fact that he is in an offense that throws the running backs a decent amount, broken plays or not. But that's about the ceiling for me. But they don't really throw to him that much. This was such a departure no. from the norm. Six catches, yep. 119 yards, and a touchdown. Usually he's two catches a game on average. And what I would say is he's he's solid. 
um, RB2, like Dan said. But if you have Brian Robinson and you need to win right now, you need to get in the playoffs, I think you should trade him. I love him this upcoming week, week 11 against the Giants. That should be great for him. But his next three weeks are Dallas, Miami, and a bye. And since I don't trust them to to throw the ball to him, I don't Mm -hmm. think he's getting more than 10 to 12 carries in those games. He's been 10 or fewer carries in five of his last six games. They simply don't run the ball. So this is the right time because you've got this great matchup for Robinson this week, and people might get excited about that. But I don't think, based on right now what we've seen, I don't think I'm going to want to start him against Dallas. I don't think I'm going to want to start him against Miami. And then he has a bye week. The fantasy playoffs are a little bit easier after that. But I'd be looking to sell Robinson. And look, I said he's 12th per game in non-PPR, 13th per game in half, 15th per game in full PPR. But on a per-week basis, in his best format, non-PPR, only three top 12 finishes and only two finishes higher than RB12 in 10 weeks. So he typically does not get there. He's usually in the 15-16 range, something like that, on average. Um, all right, next up we have from Paps. Week 15 through 17, DST planning. I went a little further because I went you know, beyond the assignment. That's what we do here. Uh, I looked at basically rest of season DST scheduling. And this now is the time to start really thinking about schedules a little bit. Unless you're Dan and you just say, I don't really feel like doing this one, Adam. You do the, the entire research on this one, uh, which is basically what happened. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it exactly like that, but it was largely like that. I said, you do the research and I will pine on your research and speak of what I've seen on film and schematically next is nose on the teams that you mentioned. Well, the five best matchups for DSTs <laughs> so far have been the Giants, the Patriots, the Panthers, the Jets, and the Bears. But I decided to replace the Bears with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. The Bears with Justin Fields might not be a good matchup. But I kept them in consideration. But the teams that have the best playoff schedules, or let's just just start with from here on out. The Kansas City Chiefs on a bye this week. Philadelphia in week 11. They're currently 74% rostered. And they're really good defense. You should pick them up even to stash them against the Eagles if you don't want to play them against the Eagles. After the Eagles, they are at the Raiders, at the Packers, the Bills, and then your fantasy playoffs are the Patriots, the Raiders, and the Bengals. Four very favorable matchups there for the Chiefs, and they're good. I don't hate the Packers schedule. They have start, the, let yeah. me get a little let me get a little in on the Chiefs real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add some add something to this conversation since I didn't do any of the research. Right. Which yeah, is it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best job I've seen schematically from Steve Spagnuolo since his 2007 season and the 2007 Super Bowl run with the New York Giants. From watching some film, there's a big the big reason the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the NFL this year is actually not the offense. It's Steve Spagnuolo's defense. He's mixing up coverages like I have never seen him before on the back end. He's not typically that type of coordinator. And he's doing things that are confusing opposing quarterbacks and leading to more sacks and more turnovers and the things that help your fantasy schedule. Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, will be a difference-making defensive special DST moving forward based on that and based on the schedule. They should be top priority for you right now. But move on to Green Bay. Yeah, well, they have a gauntlet right now. Chargers, Lions, Chiefs. But then their last four games, including the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, Kansas City, oh, sorry, after Kansas City, Giants, Bucks. they're an okay matchup. Panthers, Vikings, not bad for Green Bay. Um, Houston is a team I wanted to highlight. They get Tennessee twice in the playoffs, but they get Arizona, like it's not great the next two weeks for for Houston, so you don't have to own them, roster them now. Houston, Jackson, or Arizona, Jacksonville. Then we've got this stretch: Denver, the Jets, the Titans, the Browns, nice. and the Titans. So that's Houston, Very and they're nice. not that bad defensively. Um, if you want to stash the Rams at some point, they get the Giants in Week 17, but you got a while before that. Right now, in the immediate future, I like the Dolphins. Mm. They get the Raiders, the Jets, Commanders. Titans and Jets. Their week 17, 16 and 17 games are Dallas and Baltimore. So forget about the Dolphins then. But the next five weeks, the Raiders, Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets for the Dolphins. They should be pretty healthy coming out of the bye, too. Um, yep. 
let's see. There was uh, Cleveland, which is you know widely rostered DST. They've got good schedule going forward, including um, the Jets in Week 17. Um, Detroit. Let's see. I've got Detroit. I got Chicago, Green Bay, New Orleans, and Chicago and Denver in their next five games. Detroit's looking good there. And Cincinnati. Let's see. Cincinnati at Baltimore this week. That might not be good, but then it's Pittsburgh. I think we're basically just looking at the last like three or four weeks for Cincinnati. Colts, Vikings, Steelers. Eh, forget Cincinnati. Let's take them off. So the Chiefs are great. The the Texans could be really good uh, for their last four games. Um, the Dolphins, not in the playoffs, but in the more immediate future. The Lions could be good down the stretch. And that's pretty much it. Two defenses that have awful playoff schedules are the Eagles. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Eagles have Seattle, the Giants, and the Cardinals. They have a terrible schedule coming up. The Eagles have the Chiefs, Bills, Niners, and Cowboys. I don't think they're worth rostering. They haven't been a good enough DST to begin with. Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys. I would drop the Eagles. The Ravens are interesting. In their fantasy playoffs, they get the Jaguars and Niners on the road, and then the Dolphins at home. And the the Raiders are going to be a reason why a lot of people make their fantasy playoffs. They've been such a great DST. They've had a very easy schedule. I would say let's let's maybe play it by ear. Let's see what happens. But at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, and Miami, if you're in a league where defenses get traded, you know, you want to trade the Ravens for the Chiefs or something like that, I, I think that's fine, you know, as part of a bigger deal. Let's take another break here. And when we come back, we've got league winners and running back rankings rest of season. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back to talk about league winners. Zuma says, going forward, who are the top five league winners that no one expected? And also, can you tell me what kids show Zuma is in? Uh, are you asking me that or yeah. you asked that question as well? Uh, no, I know the, I know the answer. I have kids. Oh, of course I can't tell it's you obviously that. I don't have Paw, it's obviously Paw Patrol. Come on. Paw Patrol. I've never heard of Paw Patrol until today. <laughs> I can't wait for you to have kids in sometime in the next four years or so. And I get to go through all of the, I get to relive all of these experiences through you. Um, anyway, uh, top, top five league winners for you that no one expected. So I'm going to start with Tankdale. Tankdale is the one I want to start with here for a multitude of reasons. First of all, shout out Jacob Jibs, Gibbs. I just call them Jibs because I said I was. And sometimes I do. You know, you know the Heath Keith thing where I never said Keith, and for some reason you guys tried to say I said Keith, even though I definitely said Heath, but it rolled off the tongue weird. And I do that sometimes when I'm too fast. Right. To go from one word like, to the like next. when I cursed last week, but also you still can't say. No, that was an actual curse. No, it wasn't. Everybody. You still can't say Devon Achan. Like the, earlier today, you were Devin Achan. So you just, you never get both names right. No, I say Devon Achan. You definitely do not say Devon Achan. We'll, we'll check the tape. You know those commercials where they throw the challenge flag? I would love to do that yeah, right now. You got that. Okay. Well, Tank Dell's going to make the list for me. Shout out Jacob Gibbs. He joined the 30 30 Club, which Gibbs talks about 30 uh, with a 36% target share and a 39% uh, are air yarded share. I think when it comes down to Tank Dell, for me, I look at him as a player who's 
film at Houston was unbelievable. He won at all three levels, which is rare. About three to five receivers I watch every draft class win at all three levels. What do I mean by that? I mean he wins on the inter on the immediate routes, the quick slants, the quick outs, the quick in-breaking routes, the stuff designed around the line of scrimmage. He wins on the intermediate level, the deep ends, the digs, out the deep outs, and then he wins on the vertical plane as well, creating separation. And he does it against man coverage as well. And this is why C.J. Stroud made it a point to tell the Texans to draft this guy. This is why C.J. Stroud looks for him in big moments. This is why C.J. Stroud is going to continue to come his way with the football. We see it in the target share percentages. We see it in the air yardage percentage. He can beat you in a multitude of ways, Tank Dell, just because he's 5'8". Doesn't mean he's only a slot receiver. He proved that at Houston. He's proven already at the NFL level. So I think he can be one of these league winners no one expects to be over the stretch run, just dominating targets, making big plays, making bomb touchdowns for the Texans down the line as that offense continues to grow and as C.J. Stroud continues to dominate. So he was the guy I wanted to put top of my list, Adam. Another guy I want to throw in there next on the list is Trey McBride. Okay, Trey McBride on a per route basis, uh, basis, and this is a Jacob Gibbs stat, so I am going to try Jacob Gibbs impression part two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Adam, uh, a guy I really want to talk about, Trey McBride. So, well, no, it'd be more like a guy I really want to talk about is Trey McBride. That's the guy I really want to talk about. Is Trey McBride? I'm I'm curious if you guys are seeing this. Starting to dig in some really really interesting numbers yeah. on Trey McBride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keep that going. Keep great. going. Trey McBride has been as good as any tight end in the NFL in 2023. Routes run 246 for Travis Kelsey, 174 for Trey McBride. Target per route run rate. How about this one? Kelsey 29. <laughs> percent Trey McBride 28. percent This is yards not per route run. How he's being, this is if you. Somehow, like if your soul went into the body of Jacob Gibbs, like this is not a Jacob Gibbs impression. This is you no, talking not. differently. I, I didn't watch enough tape, but target per route run rate for Jeff Travis Kelsey 29%, 28% McBride. Tar- yards per route run. McBride is pacing with Travis Kelsey with 2.40 versus 2.43. This dude is somehow the focal point of the passing game. We thought maybe earlier in the year it was Josh Dobbs. We thought maybe that. No, this is the new system in Arizona, and it operates through its tight end. We saw it with Zach Ertz. We're seeing it now with Trey McBride, who offers more juice and more toward the passing game than Zach Ertz can at this point in his career. We saw it with a new quarterback with the change from Dobbs to Kyler Murray. And I don't see any reason why it won't continue. He's pacing, putting up big elite type numbers and getting crazy amounts of target share uh, and targets. So I think Trey McBride could essentially be the league winner, uh, another league winner that no one expects. Um, That was Dan's jibs (laughs) impression. (laughs) All right. Listen, go a little faster here because I still have to get my five in. Okay, then then and three is going to be Javante Williams. We talked about him a lot on last week's Beyond the Box score. Very excited to see where he goes tonight in this game against the Bills, against the defense that plays a lot of too high. But just think about this. His avoided tackle rate splits were 13% in the first four games and 23% since returning from that injury he had midseason. And that just kind of shows where he's evolving into. So I think he can be it. And then David Montgomery, throw my boy in there, David. Um, I mean, look at him, Adam. It breaks off a long touchdown run. I, I don't know, but I heard in week five beyond the box score about five weeks ago from Adam, he can't break off the big, long touchdown run. <laughs> without can't stepping out of bounds. Without stepping out of bounds. He didn't step out of bounds. He was in <laughs> He didn't. He did not. No, he's good for him. I don't I don't know if he's going to be a league winner because he doesn't catch any passes and isn't the the predetermined goal line guy anymore so it seems. But uh no, he's going to be worth starting. We'll be ranking him in our next big topic. And who's your last guy? And the last guy for me, somebody you brought up a little bit earlier, but Jonathan Taylor. I mean, maybe you don't call it unexpected, but it's pretty much being unexpected considering where people have felt about him for the last two months. And he dominates the backfield in week 10, 23 of 24 rush attempts. This is according to Jacob Gibbs, 89% stat rate, 79% route participation rate. That's the part that really excites me. They're really getting him involved as a receiver in this new offense with Shane Steichen. So, and that's been something that's kind of been trending toward in the right direction all of his career at the NFL level after I think he received like, like, I think he had like 13 total receptions at Wisconsin or something wow. and an insanely low number there. Uh, my five are, say with me, Dan, Devon Achan. Devon Achan. He's going to be a league winner. Uh, okay. Michael Pittman, his six games that he's played with Gardner Minshew, he has a 31% target share. And Pittman's 17-game pace, and he's not good 
not good yardage on the catches, but his 17-game pace is 125 catches, just under 1,300 yards and six touchdowns on almost 11 targets, about 10.5 targets per game. So Pittman is, uh, he has had a very tough schedule recently. Cleveland, New Orleans, Carolina, and New England, actually, I mean, they give up a lot of points to wide receivers, but go look at who they've played. They've played maybe the hardest wide receiver schedule, and he's come through with big games, good or big games in everyone. His schedule gets easier after this. Uh, So Pittman's going to be a league winner. My only concern is that they get super run heavy, which they want to do, but they have some tougher opponents on there. I don't know that they'll be able to. Uh, Trey McBride and Dalton Kincaid I put on there, but they are pretty interesting because if things stay the way they are, then Kincaid and McBride are going to be awesome. But Dawson Knox and Zach Ertz are eligible to return in Week 12. Um, I haven't heard anything on either of them. I would assume Knox stays out a little longer than that uh, because he had surgery. But I don't know what happens when those guys come back. I I feel like for Arizona, it won't be a, a big deal. That'll be McBride. For Buffalo, they might go back to the way things were because as much as we like it for for uh, Kincaid, there's a lot of talk. What's wrong with Baltimore with Buffalo's offense? I think they really value Dawson Knox and their two tight end sets. So I could see Kincaid falling off, but we'll see. And um, Kyler Murray was my last guy. So Achan, yeah. Pittman, two tight ends, uh, uh, McBride and Kincaid and Kyler Murray. Jonathan wants us to rank these running backs rest of season. Okay. Montgomery, Gibbs, Swift, Rashad White, Achan, and Keaton Mitchell. He's got them all, he says, P.S. He has all of them. Did you just yawn? Nice. Did you yawn? Was that a yawn? Uh, maybe, but it has nothing to do wow. with any quality of the show. This is just a natural human body reaction. Sometimes there are yawns that happen. Okay, Adam, and that was less of a yawn, more of a, uh, I'm drinking a seltzer and, you know, I need to digest. It's like a weird digestion thing that happens sometimes with seltzers. Uh, sure. Uh, You know what? You're lucky. I never drink seltzer, so I can't say how ridiculous that is, but that absolutely. (laughs) No, and nothing will ever top your ridiculous take that seltzer is completely different than water. Completely different from water. It's not even close. You just add carbonation to water. That is water. Just carbonated. That can't be completely different. It tastes completely different. Red versus blue. Okay. Completely different is coffee versus tea. Completely different is street smarts versus water. Street smarts versus wit is completely different. (laughs) Well, I learned that one today and you are right. So you have no credibility in this area um anyway uh we're talking about both lions running backs deandre swift uh rashad white devon mm-hmm. achan and keaton mitchell okay unfortunately you i have to put i have to put keaton mitchell last i think that's the easiest one right now like you have yes, to sir. but doesn't mean it'll stay that way but that's what you have to do right now all right you want to rank them first sure what, up, up to you to no one's yeah. to no one's surprise david montgomery's my one one here get the hell out of uh-huh. here mean who really else I put it? who else would you what do you, how is this to get the hell out of their kind of take tell me who else definitely belongs ahead of him out of i think group. i would take swift over him now I, I would i would have to take no swift way. over him no way i'm sorry, would I take I'm sorry swift not swift not swift gibbs i'd have to take J- uh jacob i'd have to take jibs over him well you could take jacob over him but I, as gibbs. far as jameer gibbs goes i was close gibbs is my number two so it's monty then gibbs for me um i was back and forth between them but i just trust montgomery's role more and i know they're starting to get creative at using gibbs in the red zone but i think it's going to lean back toward uh, montgomery toward the end of the season and i just really love the lions offensive line their play caller just in this is an offense that works there's so few nfl offenses that work i want guys in offenses that work especially in the run game where there's even fewer offenses that work so i have those two one and two i have hn3 your boy who could be a league winner according to you rashad white four deandre swift five here's my thing with swift why he's lower on the list I haven't liked what I've seen from Swift. I think a lot of Swift earlier this year was great blocking from the Eagles offensive line, opening up mass, massive holes. And that's not happening to the same degree. Now hurts being hurt. Jalen hurts being injured. Doesn't help playing hurt. Doesn't help the entire offense at all. And I think Swift is a candidate to potentially get injured. It's been, you know, a very injury prone player in his career. And if not, I've already seen your one, one on this list has been hurt twice already this year. And you're going to play Montgomery? the injury yes. card on, on I take the Swift. injury card out of Swift. Fine, take the injury card. I'll say this. Kenneth Gainwell has played more snaps lately uh, than, than he did during Swift's big breakout run. Um, and just generally speaking, I haven't liked what I've seen from Swift lately. I'm never, ne- not necessarily sure I ever did as an individual with the, with the Eagles this year outside of the speed. Um, and so, yeah, I would go him. And then obviously last would be Keaton Mitchell. 
I have very different order than you. And, and some people are ranking these in the chat and, and they have very different orders too. So okay. it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard. Um, Gibbs one, HN two, no, HN one, Gibbs two. No, Gibbs one, HN two. <laughs> I guess I have some, some concern about workload for HN and if he can stay healthy. What? You just you just love explosive backs like that can break a big one. What about David Montgomery, who does all the little things Bro, right? You gotta really have a role in the move. passing game. He has. Do he you? Gets, if yes. you're on that good of an offense, where you're, I agree with you in general. Trust me, don't paint right. me in that corner of not believing in a passing game, running backs. But when you're one of these guys, like the Derrick Henry, like the guys who are just behind an amazing O line, the offense functions at a high level. The only thing that scares me is what you said earlier. Will he lose some of the red zone role that was all his earlier in the year? I just tend to believe that he'll get most of that back. All right, I'm going Gibbs, Achan. The last two are going to be White and Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Swift versus Montgomery is very difficult for me at 3-4. Mm -hmm. I guess I'll go Montgomery because Swift has not been running the ball well. I'm hoping that he'll have a little resurgence coming off the bye, but he does have... And he uh, doesn't get involved in the pass game yes, that much does. either. Yes, so what do you does. love him? Of course no, he does. does. Look at Let's his game log. I'm looking at the game log now. Go ahead. Five, four, three, two, one until Dan is wrong. Ready? Five. Well, four, there's a good chance Adam will be right because three, he, he is. Two. He's a stack. <laughs> he knows stats better than Eh? Eh? I don't know. Oh, no, actually, I was 100% correct. What are you talking Great job, about? Man. All right, let me nope, I'm looking at it right now. His no, nope, let me tell you because okay. I have it right in front of me. His targets in the last three games two, three, and two. It's a lot better than Montgomery and the targets in the That's three. That's not good. Two, three, and two is good. How about the three games before that? He had 20 targets in those no, three he had games. Eight, eight, six, 14. Then he had one, three, one in the three games before that. So Wait if a you second. want to cherry you're looking three at catches. Size, you're not, there are three different you're example looking sizes. At, you're looking from. at catches, not targets. No, I'm looking at targets. You I'm are so street smart. You can't tell the difference between targets nope, and catches. I'm looking catches. at targets right now. You just Weeks one, two, and three. He had two, three, and two targets. You didn't say. Week six, seven, eight, and nine. He had three, three, and two. Yes, and, and you incorrectly said weeks four, five, and six. You said eight, six, and four. It was 10, six, and four. That equals 20. Ten, four, I was sorry. right. For targets, for targets. Yes, exactly, for targets. All right. So, so with one three-game stretch, he had a lot of targets. In two of the three three-game stretches, he had no targets. All right, well, how about just for the season? DeAndre Swift has 35 targets in nine games. David Montgomery. That's great. David Montgomery has, what, how many? 10 targets? I don't even know. That's Let's probably see. a bad bad stat by you. Let's 10 targets in six games. Versus 30. I'm not comparing those two from a target standpoint, by the way. I'm just saying one half. If, oh, if you're saying. Okay. I'd say Swift has a role in the passing game. Montgomery doesn't. You All right. Call that a big role in the passing game. Three and a half targets per game. It's not great, but it's better than, uh, than one and a half. All right. I wasn't saying comparing him to Montgomery. I was comparing him versus the NFL and versus what we need yeah. as fantasy managers. But we, but yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> What do you think tastes more similarly? Coke okay. and Pepsi or yes. water and seltzer? Water and seltzer, obviously. <laughs> are you kidding me? What are you crazy? Are you kidding me? What are you crazy? No, you're crazy. Coke and Pepsi don't taste anything alike. They have different sugary flavors. I mean, yes, they taste different. Water and seltzer taste it. If you have a regular seltzer, I do the flavored seltzers. Those don't count. If you do a regular seltzer versus a water, it tastes exactly the same minus the carbonation. <laughs> My, minus the, the carbonation, carbonation gives it somewhat of a taste. It doesn't give it a massively different taste. Yes, it though. does. How can anyone say that water... Oh my God! How can anyone say that water and seltzer are completely different things when they are the same thing but add carbonation? Okay, if you add carbonation and you add sugar, the ingredients are exactly the same. Actually, every drink Holy has crap. every drink has water in it, man. Like every drink is water. They're I know, but every drink has multiple ingredients in it. That's what makes them different. Seltzer and water have the same ingredients in it. Dude, you are getting crushed in the chat. Crushed. You're getting crushed by logic. <laughs> Seltzer and water have the same ingredients in it. Pepsi and Coke have different ingredients. This is definitely a Twitter poll. Milk and Coke have different right, ingredients. Let's let Milk Schaefer opine and we'll sign off. Milk was a bad call. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> Schaefer, what do you think? Which two things taste more alike? Coke and Pepsi or water and seltzer? Water and seltzer. Obviously. <laughs> water and seltzer. No the only thing that's different is, is it's carbonated. Right. I know, but it's a huge difference. Huge difference. 
according to you. And there's no sugar in it. You try to say that right. there's sugar in seltzer. There's no sugar. No, in no, no. It. I'm not saying. <laughs> right. I'm not saying I didn't said. say that. There's no sugar in seltzer. I'm saying you're saying, oh, seltzer's the same as water. It just has carbonation in it. Okay, yeah. well, Coca-Cola has that plus some sugar. Like it's just they're all water. They're all water based. But the carbonation makes things <laughs> taste so different. That was a random that rat rant made. That you need to check the uh, you need to check the YouTube poll too. Who has more street street smarts, Azer or Dan? Oh no, <laughs> that's a good. I'm one. always that's gonna good. lose these. I'm always gonna lose. No, these. I'm definitely in your tier of bad street smarts. Yeah, at least I know what they are. They, Dan would be like abandoned on a on a mean street somewhere, and he'd be like. Oh, well, let, let me tell you this quick joke about the, the horse that ran into the bar, you know? Like, oh, okay, we'll leave this guy alone. All right, we're out of here, everybody. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for another fun edition of Beyond the Box Score. Uh, and we'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire. Actually, we have a show tonight. We have a show tonight, 730. Yeah, baby. Um, live stream tonight with Street Smart, Heath, and Tara. Um, we'll talk to you later, everybody. See ya. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.